All right, welcome guys. We've got Jade Corkle and Wesley Thorpe here. We're going to kind of jump into kind of a combo a podcast and we'll go into a rundown on uh, some of Wesley's runs from the Monday night match open that we had, but appreciate you guys being on here. Uh, first thing I just me, like I wanted to ask you guys when I was like, man, I get you guys in the same room. I wanted to talk philosophy on healing position. Uh, one thing that I noticed with both of you guys is you're never in a bad spot or running by a cow. And I, and I just feel like, I, I don't know if that's something that starts at a young age, like wanting to throw fast, like, or in trying to decide between missing steers and being forced into shots, but you guys both ride positions so well. And it seems like you guys are always in a good spot. Like if that's one thing I see like really in common with your guys' healing is no matter what your header's doing, you seem to get in really good spots. I was just like, I, I kind of wanted to start off on that subject with you guys. I think it's a really good question because I, I know that it's something that I work on a lot and it's something I've worked on my whole life. And it's kind of funny to me because when you watch other people, you don't see the, a lot of times you don't see the behind the scenes or what they struggle with. And not, not too long before this match, I was at Wesley's house and I was fixing to leave and he said, Hey, can I, I want to ask you a question. And it was this exact question that because he thought he was struggling with it at the time of where to ride and you don't like it kind of struck me when he asked me that i was like i didn't at first i was like man surely he's not serious because i i wasn't even thinking that you know what i mean but then we got to talking about it and the stuff he was telling me was exactly the stuff that i feel like i go through so it was it made it it was really good for me too him asking me because it just was a good refresher for myself even to one, to know that I'm not the only guy out here that has trouble with it. And two, just to kind of, it's just good to like reevaluate your ideas and someone else's ideas and kind of like, it's a good refresh, I think, to, to get yourself back in line. And I know for me, a lot of it is when my internal clock is either balanced or if it has to be one way or the other, if it's, if it's going slow. Like if I'm if I'm doing something and I'm slow or I'm faster than I thought I was gonna be, that's ideal. But when my internal clock gets to going too fast and I'm thinking I need to do something, that's when my riding goes terrible. And I'm trying to get in there early, trying to do stuff before I need to do it. And that's when stuff goes bad for me. Yeah, I think it's <clears throat> I mean, I think the the position, you know, through the corner is the most important thing for me. And and it seems like that's why my healing um is you know when i feel like i'm riding great it feel it my right you know my rope and reflects that but for me it's i i get caught up because the run changes so much throughout the whole year like in the winter i mean we're going to you know the steers hit further down the pin it seems like they don't get pulled as fast across the pin because the left wall is there in the spring you're going to California and stuff like that where it's real open. Everything's pretty flowing pretty smooth, but it's out middle of the arena. In the summer, it's wide open across the left. So like the, the runs are still just as fast as ever, but there's the head horse can get away from them. So it's there's just a lot of different ways. And like, you know, just like Jade said, whenever your clock is going, you've got to the fundamentals never change. But to you still have to put yourself in a position where you can throw fast. So 
me riding the wave throughout the year, that is the hardest thing for me to realize, hey, I still have to go through these set of steps for me to be successful, no matter how fast it is, how tough it is, how much there is to win, how little there is to win, what horse I'm on. You still have to go through the steps um, to be successful. And that's, that is the hardest thing to be disciplined to make yourself do, um, in my opinion. I do struggle with that um, throughout the year. Um, so to kind of go into that then, what are the, the steps to build feel? Uh, like Jade kind of said this in you know, like you, your internal clock. Well, there are certain things and variables that happens in a run almost without doubt every jackpot that you were like almost weren't expecting and you got to react to. And it seems like that's where it really messes up, right? So is there a set of like something that you focus on, whether it's feel through your horse, like matching speed with the cow or like getting width or where, where does that come from? That, that feel to be able to like slow the run down and then actually like be able to react and, and kind of get ahead of things and like start placing your horse, right? Is that, does that kind of make sense? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, it is, a, it is where you, you know, I think keeping things in front of you where you can see them, you know, is, is kind of the, where the start is because as soon as you start trying to get in there too soon and stuff gets closer to you, it's just harder to see and it's harder to keep the flow, like keep your horse moving, keep the momentum of the run going forward. And anytime that happens, then it's, that's when it goes bad because as soon as you lose that, then the steer goes forward. It's like, they're going double the speed that they were. And now you got to try to make a decision, like try to throw, or now you have to try to kick your horse back in there. So, but I think it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier jackpotting because you have five steers to, you know, throughout the day to, to make the time up, you know, you make it up on a next one if you're, if you don't hit it just right on one. So it's not as important as like what he was saying, like in the summertime, when the arenas are bigger and you're, you're going one head for one head or like these match opens where you, you have a certain time that you're trying to be, then it's, you know, it narrows it down to, Hey, I got to hit this, but I got to be somewhere, you know, right here within this small area and be able to hit it just right to, to make everything work. Right. And that's, that's when it gets harder is when it's, when you start getting into the one headers and, and rodeo and stuff like that. But, uh, I think for me, it's, it all is in the roping part's not hard if you're in a good spot. And, and if you can't, if you're having trouble doing that, that's when you go, you go to the end of the guessing game of not sure where you want to put your horse or what time you want to put him there. That's when stuff gets, gets kind of hairy for me. Yeah. I have to really disconnect myself from the run, like in stages to where, I mean, like I'll spend time working on my horses, making sure they, they are in my hand and feel good. But then I also have to like, put the runs together but like the first time for me where I really put a lot of thought into like how important it was was I used to could not heel steers at the U.S. finals at, at the beginning when they roped the big Mexican steers that ran hard and like the high numbered ropings I couldn't I couldn't catch them like not even close it felt like they were hopping a million miles an hour and I told myself one time I was gonna try I could never get around them so like the first thing I did, I told myself I was going to go, I didn't even care what the steer was doing. I was going to try to run past the steer. Like my goal was just to run, like head rope goes on, I'm going to go past the steer and just see what happens. And all of a sudden I would end up at a perfect spot behind them because my horse would stay moving down the arena and they would, they would swing and then I would be here ready for them. And that was like the first light bulb moment I had of like realizing how important it was and what I perceived was the corner is not what the corner was. Like I always thought, okay, it's head ropes on, I'm going to come in and go chase the steer. And that's what most, most people do um, that you see. But 
at the end of the day, like the angles and how the steer turns, like our job doesn't start until the steer is turned. So I try to let whatever situation I'm in, I let the steer make the first move before I do anything, but I try to go further down the arena. And that was the first moment I had to like start me, put me into that thought of how important it was. Then I got to where if I didn't, if I did go through those steps, they seemed really easy to heal. Then that kind of dominoed into, you know, working on my horse position, shoulders up through the turn and making sure I had control of my horse to let me get around the corner. But, um, it, it's just for me, I've always had to look at it in stages of what I have to do to be um, successful because it's just there's a lot of moving parts and you have to it's all about the angles and how you can keep forward momentum in the run and and be as sharp as you can without, you know, and taking high risk throws, but also being, you know, catching a really high percentage number of steers at where you go. So I just try to put a lot of thought into, you know, how my horses feel and then like I said, I do have to make it. I'm not a guy that can go slow all the time. Like I like to keep everything controlled, but then I have to go prove that myself that I can do it. And then if I can mix of controlling my horse and proving myself that I can make those runs at that level, then I feel confident when I go somewhere. And I can, I'm, I can, I've gotten better and better about sticking to my game plan once I leave. But those are both important for me. Right. Okay. So. My, my next kind of thing with this, uh, I talked to Smith about this on a podcast the other day, and I, I read an article about it, but it's like to have like optimal performance in the practice pin, you need about 15% air. Like 85% of the time you're doing it right, and then about 15% you're messing up. And that's like for athletes that are acquiring a skill, right? And and I don't know if it's like works with everyone, but uh, where I wanted to go with this, Wesley's like, if you say, hey, I'm there's something with your positioning even now that you asked Jade, like how do you go about that as far as one asking the question and being able to like understand, hey, how how can you ask something where you're not gonna change everything that you do and kind of make a, a wreck out of your practice pin, but where you can almost try that out in the practice pin and, and start figuring things out. So how does how does those con kind of conversations work for you? So like for my rope and um, I've always tried to watch um, the best guys, obviously, but I picked and choose each phase of the rope and that I could follow that I thought would help me the most. And I, I tried to follow him for so long um, with this rope, but I, I didn't feel like I had my angles right. I couldn't even, I couldn't compete with his level of roping ability um, to even compete with that. So I had to learn, in my mind, I had to go learn how to ride better and do things better before I could even pick apart the angles of a swing and stuff like that. So, um, but the one thing he's always done is you never see him in a panic situation. So I thought, um, I was this fall, I was going through a deal where I just felt like the clock was running, the clock was running. I was catching myself a half a stride inside the steer. And I'm like, and that's my least favorite place to be. Like, not saying I don't catch from there, but at, I, I feel like if I mess up, I, a lot of times I am, too much inside and just before anything separates. So I'm like, what? I'm like, why can't I just figure out how to catch them from here? And he's like, well, I've been kind of going through the same thing with the clock and, and where he comes in. And um, he just said he has to slow himself way down before like the NFR and stuff. And, and I do too, but I, and a lot of times it's me, I get hooked on the steer from the time the gates open is what starts it. And like, I'm, I'm watching the steer instead of worried about you know, like my job doesn't start for several more strides. Like I need to get to where I need to be. But he's always been good about that because a lot of times I would even look over the years like 
he's nowhere in the picture. Like you don't even see him. And you're like, how's he about? And then all of a sudden he heals him by the second hop, smooth as could be, or the first hop, and no wasted motion. So, um, I mean, that's a that's I feel like what everybody's goal is to try to do. So, um, for me, I just I wanted to hear his um, take on what he feels in that you know whenever he feels like his clock is going too fast or what he tries to do, or or at least reassure me of what I think I need to do. Um, so that's kind of why. I, I brought up the question, but I mean, learning how to ask the questions I do think are important because over the years, I mean, I have no idea how to, you know, when you're young and growing up and I mean, learning how to ask the right questions are as important as anything, I think. So Jade and Wes, what I'd like to kind of hear from you guys is I, I, like I said, I think you guys heal really like high percentage of the time, right? You guys are catch a lot of steers by two feet. And I think a lot of people have the perception of like, probably don't miss in the practice pen and don't have bad practice sessions, but in your mind, like in your minds and like realistically, what is like a normal practice session look like? Is there much air? And then how are you, how are you kind of trying to like, how much are you pressing to like figure out new things constantly? Or is it something where you, you do try to be as correct and, and kind of perfect with practice sessions? Um, anymore. <clears throat> I, you know, I've, the one thing that I think doesn't ever go away is, is working on the fundamentals. And just like he was talking about, no matter, no matter what we're doing or, or no matter how fast we're going, there's, there's still certain things that we can't skip over. And I think, you know, you, you would think that the better you get at roping, the easier it is to not skip over those things. But to me, it feels like the better you get and the faster you have to go, the easier it is to skip over those things you know, because you get to, like he was saying, that's, that's the reason one of my biggest things that I work on, like right before the NFR is, is I don't really like going fast before the NFR because it's the easiest thing in the world. When you get there to, as soon as you leave, you lock onto the steer. Well, the next thing you know, you're headed right, right for the steer's shoulder. And now all of a sudden your way, you can't, you just can't even, it feels terrible. You can't do it. And so I have to, the faster I think I need to go, the more I have to make myself remember not to not head towards the steer until I need to head towards the steer. And so it, it, the theory on it for me is kind of like I was talking about, like when, when you get in there too early, it feels like the steer leaves you twice as fast. I feel like I need to go twice as slow the other way when I'm going to go fast to make it end up just right. If that makes any sense. Like, cause your mind, as soon as you think you need to go fast, your mind gets to go and I need to go fast. Well, then guaranteed for me, I'm going to get in there early and it's not going to go good. So if I, if I can make myself just remember, no matter, I mean, if I have to be three, like he was saying, the steps, I still have to go through all these steps. So I just have to do them. I still have to hit A, B, C, D. I just have to do them in, at a faster pace, but I cannot let myself just go to A and then head across there to D. You know what I mean? So that's, that's really, that's the way I've practiced. That's why a, a lot of guys don't, that like practicing the way I do. I, I like going slow a lot. And, and I mean, I don't mean like trainer steer slow, just good medium steer slow where I can leave the box, get away from the steer, hit point A, hit point B, hit point C, hit point D without messing up just to pound it into my head and just pattern it in my horse too to where, because I think that's the easiest thing in the world is that, you know, they're creatures of habit just like us. As soon as we start leaving there, cutting across steps, well, then when we go somewhere, that's exactly what they're going to do too. So if you have both you and your horse doing it, it's a guaranteed mess up, you know? So when it comes to, like I said, that the, 
I feel like the roping's easy if you are in a good spot. That's that's pretty much what my practice sessions consist of is just me not necessarily even worried about my roping, just making sure that I'm riding to where I need to ride and waiting to the point I need to wait before I make my next move. And, you know, I've, I've worked on that since I was a little kid and that's still what I work on today. And, and I still mess it up. So until there comes a day where I feel like I don't ever mess that up, then I feel like that's what I need to, you know, and that, and that's a, a lot of it's personal preference too. Like he said, he needs to, he likes going slow, but then for him, he needs to make some fast runs to make sure, you know, to remind himself that he can still do what he needs to do. And, you know, I don't think there's, obviously there's nothing wrong with that. It's, I think a lot of people do what they say they want to do and then what other people think they need to do instead of knowing themselves. <coughs> I think, I think knowing yourself is one of the biggest things and, and doing what you need to do to make yourself, you know, perform at the, at the best level that you can is the, is the best thing you can do. So I guess a question right with that, I'd, I'd like to hear your guys' opinion on is, you know, when you talk about like slowing the rundown, um, one thing that I think happens, at least it happens to me, is when you make a run and it feels really good, you try to duplicate that same feeling and it can be at a jackpot. Like you make a, a certain type of run at a jackpot and a certain type of feel, and then that becomes like what you want to do on the next one. And so I think that takes you away from the actual steps, right? And so is that something that happens very often or is oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wesley, go ahead for, for me, um, I you know you can dream up a run of how you want it to happen and then it can go happen and then that's kind of the easy like i think that's the easy way out and i got trapped into this this fall to where even practicing for the nfr i rode around a spot i went I, I rode the angles and and made these runs but then i wanted it to happen here versus being more determined on the steps i needed to take to let the run happen and i wanted to dictate where I was going to be able to throw versus going through the steps of when I needed to heal the steer. And, you know, I might've, I might've thrown just as fast, but I made more bobbles or seemed like I was healing them a little out of stride or, or getting bad finish, not, you know, getting, um, really good finishes. So I feel like it, you know, not being so sharp in that department didn't, you know, I might've thought I was taking a more aggressive throw or thought I was doing something different where it was no sharper than it would have been if I was not banking on a throw. And the third hop was, just as fast as a, a sloppy second hop. So, um, yeah, it's easy to get caught up in what you want the run to look like, but you can only, you know, you can't dictate what the steer is going to do and what the, the run's going to develop like. So I feel like you got to be really disciplined to stick with your game plan and go every, keep everything fluid and, and smooth and be as sharp as you can with it because a lot of times that, that'll win in the long run. All right, so for you guys, like handling adversity right when things start to pop up at the jackpots and even like how do you think the best way to address things like that like if it's a situation you've never seen um whether it's the type of steers and and, and or just a type of feel so like for example uh, guys that get to maybe a big situation and they just feel like it, everything is going so fast. I, I think, you know, Jade, you kind of talk about getting some width, like getting, you know, slowing it down that way. But also when things go wrong and it just seems to, how do you, how do you try to address that in the practice pen? Is, do you kind of stay going back slow or what, what do you guys, I mean, what's your guys' philosophy on that? Well, I used to have, <clears throat> I, I can see where, I mean, it's, it's the hardest thing to do is, is to, when it goes bad, because you, like he was saying, like you, you get to where you have this, this setup in your mind of how it's supposed to go. And then 
there's days where no matter what you do, you feel like it's not going that way. And a lot of times it's, I think it's just, it is in your head of what you're thinking it needs to be. You, you might be, you might've gotten so far off track with yourself that it might not even be that, you know what I mean? And, and the one thing I've learned, it took me a long time to learn and I'm still learning is to not, not let myself ever think about like getting in a groove or getting a feel of like, Hey, this is how it's supposed to feel. Just literally knowing, knowing the steps I need to take and reacting to what the steer does, but then just literally treating every steer for what it is, just roping just one at a time every day, no matter what I'm doing, no matter how good it felt or how bad it felt on the steer before, I got to clear that from my mind back in the box and I got to start over and do it all over again. And the steers are, you know, once I started doing it that way, it, it really opened my eyes to how different every run really is. Cause I used to be the same way I would get into like, think I was in kind of a groove or like, think I had this feel that everything's feeling good and I'm doing this one thing every time when really it's not like that, you know? And, and I think, I think that's what creates the roller coaster of roping is if you get into that, you think, man, I'm, I'm riding here, I'm doing this, everything's feeling good. Well, then that one little mess up comes because of there's a steer or a certain setup of a run that, that doesn't fall into what you're doing. Well, now you miss one and you think, oh, okay, no big deal. Well, then you, you feel that feel again on the next one, you miss again. Now you go right back down to the bottom of the hill and think you can't catch. Now you're trying to, you go usually to the, you think of the wrong thing first. You think of your open first when more than likely it was your riding. And then it just leads into this snowball effect usually of now all of a sudden you want to quit roping and can't, you feel like you don't even know what to do. And doing it this other way, that's the, I'm not saying it's the right way or wrong way. I'm just saying that this is doing it this way. The just one at a time has this last couple of years has stopped the, the roller coaster for me. Like there hasn't been a time in the last couple of years where I have just been like, man, I don't even, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. And that's the first time ever in my whole career where I didn't go through a spell where I felt like that, you know? And so that's why I think just the, you know, doing that can, it can help the, help you get out of the rut a lot sooner than, than later. Wesley, what about for you? You know, when it's, when it's, kind of feels that way um what do you what do you think on that because I, I think it a lot of that too like creates a winner right and and you've been able to have success at a really young age for a long time and i i think there's got to be something there that either maybe you figured out at a young age or i, I don't know exactly what it is but if you could tell me the secret <laughs> uh, there i mean there is no secret because i mean i feel like we all mentally struggle as much as um, as much as the next guy, but for me, like I've always been a, you know, I, I try to pinpoint the problem all the way down to normally if I don't evaluate the run, like if I can't miss and understand what just happened, I'm going to be flustered about it because, and it probably goes all the way back to panicking somewhere in the point of the run. So like if I locked onto the steer when the gates open and I chase the steer and I'm going nine Oh, trying to pull something off and I miss, I'm, I'm a little flustered, like. I don't, I didn't stick to anything that I said I was going to do fundamentally or follow through my steps. So those are the ones that, that will get you flustered. And nowadays, like used to, that would just, that would unravel me a little bit. Now it's back to the point of, hey, I locked on the steer when the gate opened and I'm chasing like, let's fix that first before we start picking on any part of my fundamentals. And then, I mean, I've always been the guy that's like, 
miss five in a row and have one partner left and think all it takes is one to win, you know, but I mean, I'm always a little bit positive in that mindset, like, but you've, you've got, I mean, you've got to be because, you know, especially when you're jackpot and you get a bunch of runs, like you got to figure out some way to, to get yourself through it to where you stay hooked and don't, don't give up. But um, for me, the, the runs where I'm, I'm most flustered is where I abandon my game plan and I can't evaluate the run. Like if I if I understand what went wrong the run when I missed, and I can at least gather my thoughts for a second and say, hey, look, this is what I didn't do. Um, I didn't go far enough around the steer. I didn't, you know, whatever it may be, um, I can at least say, hey, you know, gather my thoughts, take a deep breath, and go figure out what I'm going to go do to fix it on the next one. But the ones that really do get me are if I, if I do lock on too early and I'm headed to them right away, and the, and the clock's going 100 miles an hour, and I miss, I mean, I can't start blaming my fundamentals whenever I just abandon everything I've ever worked on with my fundamentals. So that's the first thing I'll do is try to get control of myself. And then that it, a lot of the time, when the gate bangs, I mean, if I'm pretty relaxed and understand what my game plan is when the gates bang, I'm good. If, if I panic when the gates bang, it's all downhill, you know, from there. All right, so this one's kind of a, Weird question, but I know it happens to me all the time. In fact, Jade was heading some steers for me one one time, and I told it to him, and I I never like really had said it out loud or like thought about it, but I've thought a lot about it since then. Is he turned me this steer, and I I rip a leg, and I'm like, man, honestly, I didn't know whether I was going to catch him or miss him. And then it was the same. I got the same spin again, like almost identical. Like both were next on big strong steers. I don't know if you remember it, but then I healed the steer by two feet in the almost exact same spot. And it felt like I was going to row the same. Like I didn't know the difference between both, but I knew like in Pulled the run, the that's where I was way, wanting, but. I was wanting to throw here. Like this is the spot, but it's hard. And I didn't know whether I was going to catch or miss. And that, but I got thinking about that. I was like, how many times do professional healers, like when they're throwing the rope, is it a hundred percent in your minds or like, what does that kind of feel like to you guys? That, like in competition, you know what I mean? I mean, that's what I'm, <clears throat> I usually can't open my hand unless I think that. The, the only times for me that, that if, if something like that happens is if it's a situation where there's a certain time that I have to be and it's getting close to crossing that line and it might not feel just right, but it's, either, it's a no time either way. So you got to do something or you're going to be, what, the thing that bothers me more is being too slow. If, if somebody, if there's a situation you have to be four or five to do, the least you can do and you go be five, three, I feel like that's, that makes you less of a professional than if you had missed trying to be five, three, you know what I mean? So there, there's times where that happens where it might not feel just how I wanted to feel yet, but you got to make something happen. But other than that, you know, there's a, I feel like I have a pretty good idea unless something out of your control happens, you know, but uh, I've tried to, you know, be disciplined enough to where if it doesn't feel not just like you said, like the spot throwing. I feel like you can get into that. Like if you start, if you haven't rodeoed and you start rodeoing and you're thinking, man, I need to throw, I need to be able to throw fast. So you kind of start throwing in that spot. I mean, I think doing it practicing, like if you're working on something, obviously, like that's the times if something goes wrong for me, like when I'm practicing, it's because I'm trying something new and it might not feel just right, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to break a habit that I've already got so I can make myself, you know, improve in a certain area. But even if I'm working on something, like when I go to a jackpot, if I don't have it how I want it yet, then I forget about it for that day, you know, at the jackpot and try to try to keep myself behind the, you know, around the, the guarantee line of, 
or what I feel like is going to be a guarantee, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely try to, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time, you know, used to it wasn't this way, like in high school and growing up, and I, I had a pretty high number, but I was, um, had a little bit slower for the horses, but I felt like I threw more of a spot or looked for a throw to be fast. But um, I made myself just take a period of time where like I wanted to follow the steer until I knew I was going to catch him every time. So I tried to fundamentally get to a spot to where like I knew I was ready to heal him on the first hop, but I could heal him on the eighth hop. And I would just practice going around him and being aggressive and being ready to throw and then seeing it for several hops and making myself just slow down right there and understand like, I'm only one swing away from a good throw or two swings away from a good shot. And I just, I really try to drill that in my head to where I, I do not try to throw until I know, I know I got them. And uh, I mean, for me, when I throw, I mean, I just don't, I don't, I do not spot throw anymore. And I, I don't, I just don't like it. Just, I can't, I can get spun. My wheels will spin so far out of track if I start spot throwing. So I just try not to do that. And uh, I try to make sure I know I got them before I pull the trigger. Well, that's sad news for me. I guess. Well, and, and just to add to that a little bit, the reason, you know, I, I understand the, I understand where you're coming from, but and it's, and I'm sure Wesley feels the same way. I'm sure a lot of guys feel the same way, but it, it's hard to understand for me. Is is we can sit here and say all this stuff, and if something happens, if if you let yourself, if if you panic, like you said, like so there's a point in the run where you kind of panic, and you get ahead of yourself, and you do throw before you want to and miss one how much it it's like missing scrambled, 10 in yeah, a row. It scrambles yeah. your brain to the point of like yeah <laughs> oh my gosh like what yeah. what just happened like when, what how did i let myself do that and then you back in there in the next one you're like man i need to like i don't know what to do you know what i mean and yeah. it, it 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 takes <clears throat> like for me if i like just like you said if i throw it at a time where like i am taking a risk or it doesn't shape up i feel like i'm paying i have to take the throw and i miss it it's like putting 20 misses on my resume like to my head like it, it spins me so far back to where it's like nothing fundamentally went on to me in that run so it's it's hard to build off of and um sometimes i mean sometimes like he said i mean if you got to be four eight and your steer's running and you're on the line of being five flat and you try it on like you can kind of write that off but if the steer is a little bit you know you're at fort worth and it's narrow and the steer is kind of wide-legged and you know you cut it down there when you might could have took another swing and you just took took a throw or you know a little bit early then uh, those those hurt i mean they definitely take a toll on on me for sure and and i guess that's the thing right if you know it's not right at a jackpot so like let's just say for example a big rub one with a lot of teams that you know it's going to be tough so like a lot of people maybe win a jackpot in arizona right around nfr time or you guys probably constantly at open jackpots feel this way You've got to be okay if it's not right on either the you know those first shot or second shot to go till it feels right. That's that's just one of those things you've got to be able to to get to. Or is that like you know for I guess I'm saying this for like like well, I, I felt that at, at the ropens like I know it's time I got to be in a not in time and it doesn't feel right. So for somebody, I mean Jade's always been real controlled. So just thinking out loud, my. I was never always very controlled, right? Like my horses, I always went around there and threw the first shot I could see. And not saying they were terrible, but I just didn't have any confidence to go one more swing. So most of the times what it boils down to 
is at every level, like even guys that come to the house for lessons and stuff, it's most people don't have enough control of their horse or of their, their feet or of their swing or of their body to be able to have, con I mean, the easiest thing to do is go around there and it feel, feels good, throw it. Or if you go around there and it feels bad, throw it. People that just don't have that control to to hit. And that's why that's the, one of the reasons I like going slow in the practice pin is because that that's the whole point of it for me is is hitting that spot and just staying locked in and keeping the horse locked in and moving until I decide to throw. Because they get to the, you get to hitting that spot and throwing, well, then that's what they're, why wouldn't they be looking for that? You know what I mean? And so you, you go to these ropings and you hit that spot and it's not quite ready. Well, one more swing isn't that big a deal. But if they stop and now you throw, when the steer tries to get away, and now you add five seconds or a no time to it, well, that is a big deal. And as fast as the, even as fast as these ropings have gotten, there hasn't been hardly any of them here lately where a leg hasn't come back in one fourth or something. Or, you know, I mean, if they pay five, come back and win fifth. And so that tells me right there, well, I can kind of how it used to be a couple, you know, a few years ago where if you could guarantee yourself fourth if you went and made five clean runs. And then it kind of hit a point where you couldn't do that. Like it got really, really fast for a while. And now, it is really tough. First, second, you know, probably third even is still pretty tough, but legs are winning again now. It seems like almost everywhere. And so, and, and there's the times of if it doesn't set up just right where that one more swing might set it up to where the finish makes you faster than you were going to be, even if you did get two feet in that spot. And, and that's where, that's what I've been trying to hear, do here lately is, is remember that even as fast as it's got at these jackpots, there's still, you still have more steers to make it up on if it's not. And then a lot of times with the naked eye might not even realize that you that you wanted to throw and, and you did do something because it feels slow. Like in the moment when you're doing it, it feels like you take forever because we're wanting to throw. You know what I mean? So you get in there and you take another swing and you personally on the inside feel like, gosh, dang, I tracked that steer forever or something like that where you might ride out of the arena and somebody's like, man, great. That was a good job. Good shot. And you don't even, you're like, think they're messing around you know what i mean like yeah right but it's very that's think that's the most important thing is to have that control to keep because i mean the, the I've, I've been this way my whole life but my my whole theory since i started roping was the only way i don't have a chance is if i get a no time so that's what's made it kind of easier for me my whole life is to even if it's not quite what i wanted well if i still get two feet i still still got a chance you know what i mean you might not win first and there's days where you might win first but the only way to guarantee yourself nothing is to miss, you know what I mean? So I think that's a that's the golden rule of healing for me is what he just said is having that control to you hit the spot and it doesn't feel right being able to take one more swing and keep your horse moving to to heal the steer. Because that's that, no matter what, there's days where we might hit the turn, everything just right, our header might slide rope. Or our headers horse might stumble, might get bogged down, and they don't pull the steer right when we think we're going to. Well, we don't get to just miss or get a leg and be like, oh man, my header slid me some rope. You know what I mean? If you're, especially if you're a professional healer, that's our job is to get two feet no matter what. So if something like that happens out of our control, we have to be able to take one more swing, get two feet, and then live to fight the next round and hopefully make up time on the next one. You know what I mean? So I just wanted to point out that I, I would think that's the, if somebody gets anything out of this, that would that's the main thing I think they would need to get out of it. Well, and, and right along with that, um, probably the cause of spot throwing is 
you're losing feel for your horse. Like, and, and I think this, I mean, I think this is correct is if you're losing feel for the horse and then all of a sudden you're just focused on the feet and the swing, like the only way to really get ahead of the horse is to do it or ahead of the run is to do it with your horse, right? Like, like them being able to keep you at the same spot and let you adjust your swing and kind of get some feel, right? Is that, does that sound correct? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, to me, when it feels the best to me, it, it feels like it's kind of just like a handoff in football to the feet. You know what I mean? If, if something happens where I feel like I feel myself throw my rope, then that's when I've, I didn't hit the, the timing of it just right to where I was ahead of the steer, your horse backs off as you're throwing, set it down in front of the feet and the steer just takes it from you. You know what I mean? And that's, so that, I mean, I would think that's when, whenever I can feel myself, feel the rope hit or like, like you said, like your horse kind of stops and then you throw or something like that. You can, you can kind of feel the, feel it unlock from the smoothness of what was going on. That's, that's when it, that's where that comes in for me. Uh, so Wesley, for you on, on this one, like, getting to that spot like kind of the last thing with we'll kind of talk about on this this subject but is when you do get to the high pressure situations and you do really want to control that um how do you try to manage your mind then in, in that spot to to slow runs down like in in the hardest situations you know because we've probably seen it both from you at like at the nfr at the bfi or something so you know what, what's your kind of philosophy on that when it's the most pressure like what what do you got to tell your mind or what do you got to be focused on um, at that in that one moment? You know, as you're like riding in the box, you're turning around like in the gates are getting ready to crack. Like where is your mind at right there? Usually those have become, I mean, I want to say almost easier for me because like I'll tell myself like I only got to do it one more time, right? I mean, it's only, I'm only, I, what if it goes right one more time, we're going to be good. So, I mean, I've kind of, you're only down to one. So it's not like you got to create a game plan to get through a whole rope or anything. You've already done the hardest part. So you're only getting through one. The steers have been roped. I mean, it's not like you're, you're roping on probably the better end of the steers. Um, they're not the freshest they were. You got to get by one more steer. So, I mean, I'll, that helps for me. But then, like riding around, I'll just, I'll go strictly to, hey, what, what was the most recent time of practice that I put this scenario into play? And how did it go? And what did I do? You know, what did I do? And then my fundamentals, obviously, I always go back to that. So, um, and I do that enough at home to where I'm like, when I get somewhere, this is this is it. Like I'm, this is what I'm going back to. So, when I when I turn it out of the box at the BFI or whatever, I'm strictly going off of what I went to, at home doing. Of I'm going through the fundamentals. I'm gonna hit you know hit my spot through the turn the correct way. I'm gonna have some forward momentum keep my horse with me until I see the best shot and then heal him and we're done. We only got to get by one more. So, I mean, I've always been that way. I mean, I'd even, you know, used to when I was, you know, wanted to get nervous and stuff and I was younger, like it's a third round. Like how hard can that be? I got to catch one more steer before the short go, you know, like I, anything you can do to tell yourself like that, to, to not make it a big deal. I mean, just, you got to stick to your fundamentals and focus more on the task than the, the end goal, the end goal. I mean, because you can't get caught if you if you focus on what there is to achieve, then you'll get caught up on that. But if you just focus on the task, then that comes later. So, um, and and to not pick more than a couple things out. I mean, you can't literally you just can't focus on more than one or two things at a time. So your mind can't do it. So I'll just pick out the one key thing I want to focus on and the task it's going to take to do it, and 
leave it at that. All right, so you say task, right? I think that's a really important word. What is, for you, what's the first step of the task? Like, the the gates are about to open. What is the first step of that? So, for me, it, it may sound a little complicated, but I, I go throughout the year in different things, like what I'm working on. My feet is a big deal, or my elbow being down is a big deal, or where I hit the corner is a big deal. And I trade at different times of the year what I pick out is I'm going to focus on. Like, all right, my, I mean, here lately, it's my delivery. Like, I felt like I wasn't confident in my delivery. So, like, that's a big deal for me. I want to get down the arena, through the turn, and then focus on, like, being aggressive in my delivery and getting a good finish. And, like, I'm not as much worried about getting too much wider because I went through that for a month of making myself do that. So, I'm, I'm, fo I'm doing that okay now. So, I'm going to focus more on these two things. So, like, whatever it is at that time of the year, what season or what, um, event where I, I guess you say that's kind of what I go I pick one of those things out and focus hard on that thing um, and it's just different different times of the year I mean in the winter it's a little different it's in the spring summer so um, for me it's it, it would be pick one of those key things out you've been working on stick to that and then the task would be whatever your scenario is you have to to do um, you know if if it, for example, if you're high back and it, it's a little bit of pressured situation, you got to be a little bit faster than you'd like to be. You go through every single step you want to, but you're just more aggressive about how you might take a little bit more of aggressive approach down the arena, um, get a little further down the arena or whatever it may be. But, you know, if you got all day, obviously you want to take a, you know, a safe, just a, a smooth approach through the corner. But um, I just pick out the key thing that I've, I've been working on um, that helps me at that time of year and, and go with that. So a lot of that is being able to just re, like react and then there might be the, the certain things that you do want to focus on. They can kind of come through and you can kind of think about that, but being able to react. Yeah, I mean, I'll think about those three or four things like riding around, but then when I back the box, it's one thing. Like it, it'll be more of getting around through the corner follow through like good delivery i mean it won't be so much of hung up on everything yeah and then it kind of sets it up to where you trust the process and trust your skill and your horse and everything kind of can flow together right is that is that similar for you jade as far as like you know where where is your mind right right uh, as the gates are opening actually i mean for me i mine's kind of more of a like a snowball effect of if I if I concentrate on what I need right from the beginning, like when I'm when I'm sitting in there, like if there's a hillberry at a jackpot, I'm just thinking about don't don't jump at the gate, like don't get too anxious right here. Just let the steer start. If I get a good start, it's not that hard, you know. What I mean, if I, if I go early and pull, then the steer takes off, and I'm trying to get going. Like then it's just a you're behind from the very get go, and you know for me if I'm if I just don't let myself like what I feel like probably my biggest weakness is rodeo and or jackpotting is I'll catch myself. Like when the head rope goes on, I'll, you'll see my hand, I'll pick up and I'll fall back just a little bit and then I'll get inside. And to me, that's, that's my main, my main flaws. If I, if I make myself just stay riding and keep pushing down the arena, then the rest of it pretty much falls into place. You know, I don't, if I'm in a good spot, I usually don't make very many mistakes or, you know, I mean, unless it's something that happens out of after what I can do to control it, you know. So as far as and because but I used to do like I used to kind of think about the steps like. But what happened to me was if I got to thinking more about 
if I got to think about one thing more than the other, like if, if, if I felt like I was riding good, but started thinking about like, man, make sure I really put it on, put it on the ground, put it on the ground. I would almost do it a little bit too much. You know what I mean? To where I would, to where I would make me make a mistake by, by over exact. Cause like, I, I kind of do things like for whatever reason, like if I'm, if I'm thinking on one thing a lot more than the others, I'll like over exaggerate it a little bit. And then, so that'll get me into trouble sometimes if I, if I let myself go there, but if I just concentrate on where I need to go right off the bat, riding my horse, then the roping part, usually I don't really have to worry about, you know what I mean? If, it, if that all feels good, then the rest of it just kind of falls into place for me. But I'm not saying, I mean, I, th I think that's another thing to where whatever you have to do personally to, to make yourself perform the best is what, is what you would need to do. Well, I mean, I totally agree. Cause I think this is the thing, right? Is where we're, everyone's different. Um, the big thing, like, cause I, I mean, even for me, like when I think about it heading, I have this feel like I, I want my horse to feel leaving the box. Like I just, my, I have the start that you're seeing and that's it. And then I have like a few things like Wesley had said, that if I feel like my horse might be hitting steers too strong, I try to like, as I'm throwing my rope, I might try to ride a little bit more and, and kind of get up and out. And, and there's like certain things that you can add to if you've like kind of been feeling them or seeing them going on. But I think the key, right, to this is getting feel early and getting feel for the run. And then like kind of like we had talked earlier, like being able to let your fundamentals and your muscle memory get through to it because all of us are going to be different and going to react different. But I, I think the, the, the big thing is you can't be focused on a result as you're getting into the box. Um, you can't have a run that you want to make and a certain feel that you want to have happen. It's like, you got to be able to react and you kind of got to be able to survive the, that moment and, and kind of let your muscle memory shine through. Right. right. Well, that's something I think he does. He does as good as anybody is, <clears throat> is whether he's feeling like it at the time or not, he's really good at, because you see a lot of people where if something goes a little bad, like I call it like staying in the moment, like staying in the, in the flow of the run and like staying, staying with what's going on. And you'll see kind of people like they'll let off or <clears throat> something will happen and they'll hit a spot where you can kind of see that you can see where it separates. And I think that's what he does really good is it if he does get in a bad spot or if something isn't going just right, his feet and his hands, everything, he stays down in what's going on until it gets better and then can still make a shot most, you know I mean? Nine times out of 10. And, and that's something that I think that, you know, when I, like I, I try to pay attention to that, that would help me. And that's what I, that's what I watch the most about him is every, it doesn't matter if the sears are fresh, if the sears are old rodeo and jackpot and when, when stuff's going a little bit, not like it's supposed to go, I think he's probably the best at staying. He, he like he don't ever lose, he don't ever lose focus like on what's going on. His rope keeps going, his feet seems like they keep going, and then before you know it, it's one swing, two swings later, and he'll get two feet, and then at the end of the jackpot, he's always he's always there. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I think if I were to say that about Wesley's healing, like the one thing that probably shines through the most is you act like a person or heal like a person that needs money like you you love to win right <laughs> like it, you know from a young know. age you have won but it's been one of those things where it it mattered right like you you were roping for for your livelihood at a young age and so it just seemed like there had to have been times where you missed steers and it hurt so bad 
And I mean, that's, is it, is it been like that for you? Yeah. Like, I mean, I just remember, yeah, it would always bother me. Like I just couldn't stand to not do good on the weekends and have to go back through five days of school and sit there and realize I'm, I'm five days away from going to another jackpot. So moving to Stephenville helped me out a lot when I got, <laughs> because I could at least go to one tomorrow. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, it hurt for sure. But um, I just, I, pra- I mean, I'm not saying I didn't practice a lot growing up, but I, I didn't practice much. I guess I wanted to, um, wasn't as many people at rope. So I feel like it, I didn't w- get a good like foundation. Like I didn't get to, I didn't understand as much about what I wanted to throughout it. So like it, it bothered me more when I, I didn't know why I missed a lot of times. I just didn't like, I felt like I, I just didn't know a lot about the fundamentals, even when I was a pretty high number. So it took me a while to kind of go through that and just run hundreds of steers when I got down here, just to, to start trying to figure out how to understand why I'm messing up or, or missing. You know, the other thing I, I kind of wanted to talk about too, um, I bring this up a lot, but I, I think there's a lot of differences in swing, like a heel swing and a head and swing. Like very few people have the same swing, I would say. There's a, a lot of similarities. But what what does that kind of mean to you when you say that, like being able to own your swing, but then to add little things to to other people's swings? Like how how have you tried to do that kind of going on with it, Wesley? I so for me, anytime <laughs> anytime I've ever tried to copy his swing when I was young, like I would and I couldn't do it. Like I it would I just couldn't. So I, it made me I guess understand, and I'd try to copy somebody else's swing or something and. I guess it made me understand how important it was to do the other stuff. Like to whatever, like if you could get good with your riding and you get good with your, you know, your horsemanship and, and you have a general good swing, it's a lot easier to put that into play and at least, you know, be competitive, I guess. But um, yeah, everybody does have a different swing and that's the number one time, like it, it never fails. If I ever go to picking on my swing, I'll go a couple steps back. Like, whether I'm, it's for the good or bad, like no matter if it, no matter if I end up going with the change or not going with the change, like I'll go a couple steps back immediately. But because something else is probably lacking somewhere else. But um, that's that's always been a tough deal for me. Is swing is is trying to. I think it's. To, I mean, I think you have to have a good fundamental swing from the start and a good foundation, like you know, be able to head or heel or rope calves or whatever. I think after you get a really good fundamental swing. I think it's hard to start copying an exact style. It would be my opinion, just because it's so hard to, it's just so hard to do it exactly how somebody else does it. I mean, you got to put in the same amount of reps, doing it the same amount of way they did it, and then figure out what's going on. I mean, it's, there's so many moving parts of the wrist, arm, shoulder, that it's just so hard to copy somebody else's swing and, and follow that mentality. Like right at the end of the day, your mind has to be able to, to, tell your body to like, Hey, this is it. I got to cut my rope down. It's got to be natural. Yeah. yeah. You got to have your, <clears throat> and I don't mean like a basics. Like I get, I mean, you have to have a night, a good swing. Like I don't mean not following all the top guys swings and like the general basics of it. Like it's got to do certain things to be able to work. But as far as like at a high level to be able to just, you know, cookie cutter, somebody swing out and use it. I think that's, that's probably hard. Well, I think so many things that like, I try to start at the end, like whenever I'm trying to do something or think of something, 
I start at the result and kind of work back to where it comes from to try to, you know, make it make sense. And to me, like, there's obviously a certain area, like the, the angles of the swing, you got to get it to a certain point in a couple places. But when you go, when you, so for me from there, I go to like the stride of somebody's horse, the length of their stirrups, the length of their body, the length of their arms, how they use their wrists. There's so many different, everybody's so different in those areas alone that there's no way for anybody to swing like anybody else. You know what I mean? Like he said, make it and make it be like that. There's, there's a certain point where your tip's too high and there's a certain point where you're turning it over at the wrong spot. But other than that, you've got to, it's got to be natural to you because there's, like he said, there's so many moving parts and there's so, so much comes down to like a, the feel of like what you feel inside internally that tells you, okay, Hey, there's my, there's my shot that you, you're not going to, when you feel, Hey, there's my shot, you're not going to be able to get this guy's head swing to the horns in that time frame, And I'm not going to be able to get his heel shot in that spot in that time frame. So that, that's where, you know, I think a lot of people probably struggle with, with trying to do that when there's only really the couple things, you know, where, where it's at on the steers back, like the, the, the steepness of the angle and then where you turn it over, I think would be the two things that, that, come down to where it's not an opinion anymore where it needs to be and other than that it's pretty much whatever whatever you think you need to do i think well i i gotta agree at least from personal experience um because i know the most time i've wasted practicing was trying to swing like someone else right. and and i think that's probably honestly the most wasted thing roping right like there's probably people that spend years working on trying to look like someone and instead they could be teaching themselves how to react and that's that's most important and, and kind of keep it natural like you said I, I think honestly that's the most wasted time in, in roping has has been spent on like copying a swing where you could be copying things like riding and the actual like that help you react right. and let your like muscle memory well that's what you said about him and that and that's what ever since i've learned who he was like when he was younger and stuff at, watching him at the u.s finals I've, that's the one thing I, I've told people like when they ask me questions or that I've said about him the most is that he's after two feet no matter what. He's got the, that dog. Yeah, name. that's what I'm saying. Like he, he's going to figure out how to get two feet. So if I was, was going to start out and, or give someone advice, you need to figure out how you can get two feet first. And then like now we can, we can dissect this down and, and shave stuff off and now we can fine tune it for you. But if you don't even know how to get two feet, don't start trying to copy him. Don't start trying to copy Junior. Don't start trying to copy anybody. You've got to get out there, do it wrong, do it right, do it however you need to do it. Go catch two feet. Once you get to where you, you, you can catch 10 steers by two feet in a row, a lot, now, okay, Try maybe try this or try that. But until then, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree, kind of, I think. You know what I mean? Because there's no you don't even know what it is supposed to feel like. Like that's how you, to me, that's how you develop your natural instinct of, of what you feel like you need to do is there's, there's a certain trigger that for all of us that makes us think, okay, now I can catch the steer. So go figure that out. And then I think you can do it hundred percent wrong. There's guys I see all the time. I have no idea how they catch two feet and they catch two feet and win. they stay a six healer forever, but then that's fine. They, they win all the time. Some some of like the most like success I've had came from like 
times of it feels terrible. Like I don't know what I want to do with my swing. I'm just gonna, I'm honestly not going to worry about it. And I'm going to ride and do exactly what I want to do. Go through these steps and focus on this. And literally that's the last thing I think about and would like, it would help me. Like it would, I would do good. And it made me realize once I did have the base, you know, I just think that's an overlooked, I mean, yeah, you have to have a good swing, but at the end of the day, like it's a very overanalyzed thing. Yeah, there's, time, there's times for it. That's and that's that's kind of where I, more of what I was going by. Like, don't don't overanalyze the things that that don't matter yet. You know what I mean? Like, get get your get the end result. Let's figure out how to let's figure out how to put the ball in the basket, and now we can work on our shot. You know what I mean? Well, like I, I mean, you can even make the argument like I don't think a swing slows the run down or like gives you timing, like having your heel horse in the right spot where you, like you said earlier, like it's like a handoff. Right. That is timing. Right. Yeah. Being in time with what's going on. Yeah. 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 All right. I want to hear your guys' opinion on heel horses and, and kind of how that, how it works. Because one thing I think is really hard to, to even understand is how to put together good heel horses. So I, I'd kind of like to hear your guys' perspective on that. Like, how does that work as far as, you know, what, how many of you guys trying, like what, what is it like a comfortable amount of heel horses to have around? What are they feeling like? You know, what what does that look like to to be roping at a high level? And and what what do you want your heel horse string to kind of be like? I'll take this one. He's got <laughs> he's got a lot bigger string than I got. It'll take longer to get through. <laughs> I uh, I so for me, I mean, one thing I've noticed is, I mean, the head horses are getting more racehorse bloodlines. They're fast. I mean, the head horses can fly nowadays, and the headers can reach. So, I mean, we're getting to the point where, like, you almost got to have speed. I mean, you got to have something that can run. But then um, I, I've gone with the rule of thumb that, like, trying horses anymore, like, if they're not dang sure broke, like, and I'm not saying they have to be just half, you know, finished cow horse broke, but, like, if they can't come off my hand and hit their butt and if it, you know, if they push into it or, or a little bit, like, I'm out. Like, I don't even, because I've just had that bite me in the butt so many times like they it doesn't matter how good they are or how good they say they are when you put them in a scenario where the steer's running and somebody hooks it on one the steer hits and slide rope and come this way and they're doing their thing that they can't get away from like they've never seen that they they so you've got to be able to to show them what you want to do and they've got to know i mean i want that my left hand to be like a joystick like they need to move like my black is probably the most unbroke horse like i want like and he's broke but i mean i don't want anything less than that and it's like they got to be able to move like a joystick off my hand. Like I want to be going wide open and move them over anytime off my hand and feet. But I don't want the big flashy jump into their stop, like front all fours, you know, pretty whatever, mark them high stuff. I mean, I want like I want them to be forgiving, be able to hit their butt, um, move their feet. But then also like and never it never they're never like I want when I get them. But um, I'll spend a lot of time. I mean, most of the time, 90% of the horses I get have been spot throwed on. So, like, you got to come around there, get them off the bridle, down the pin, get them relaxed, let them hit their spot, and just, like, if they've got all the tools, like, I'll just dole them way down. Like, I'll just let them chill and follow the cow, maybe even come out of their stop a little bit for the first little bit. But, uh, so, anyway, I mean, I, I, I want them to be broke, have some run, um, very responsive, and, I mean, I want them pretty quick-footed. I mean, my I've ridden some i've had some pretty good long strided horses but they just never seem to be like the game changers for me like to fit my style 
Um, but I, I definitely prefer a shorter strided horse um, for me. But dang sure, dang sure have to run quick footed and broke um, is what I kind of look for. I'm I'm pretty much out. I'm pretty much <clears throat> I'm looking for a unicorn. Basically, if they got a horn in their head, then then I'm in. But no, I it it's kind of gotten it's to the point again now where like a little bigger hill horse. You know, and not, I don't really want a small one because they can't take it. And I just want one that, you know, one, they got to be tough. And the times where you get in a spot where they they can do something and they cannot do something, that they choose to do it. You know what I mean? That they they just want to, they're not looking for a way out. They don't want to, when they get in a spot where they can abandon ship on you, if they wanted to, they don't do it. You know what I mean? And that that to me goes a lot farther than, than a lot of stuff is if they just, if they try to help you catch, they can be a lesser of a horse. If they try to, if they're trying hard and they try to help you out as much as they can, they don't even have to have as much ability as, as some of them. And one that that reads the, you know, even if, whether they're cow bred or not cow bred, if they just read the, read the cow good, not want to get, not want to put their ears forward and shy away in the turn, not want to, not want to run into them. And then like when I go to throw, like obviously, you know, you want one on their butt and and kind of somewhat slide and moving their front feet, but I don't I only want that as long as I need to catch. You know, once it hits the point where they let me catch, they need to cut it off. You know. So yes, yeah, some slide, but not just the not the the thirty foot elevens. You know, that doesn't that doesn't mean very much to me. But um and like he said, the the brokenness anymore. Like, is that because it didn't feel like it really ever have to be that, or it didn't used to have to be that way. You could kind of get by on whatever and whatever you can catch two feet on. But now with the hill barriers and and with what the headers are able to do, like he said, kind of the joystick theory. You got to be able to you got to be able to move move on if you need to move them, and it needs to happen right when right when you need to do it. So they got to. They're getting harder just because of all the stuff that you need now. They're getting harder and harder to find. I feel like, but they are they are out there. But you gotta you gotta search harder now than it seems like you ever had to ever had to search before. Yeah, the I guess one thing that it feels to me like what great horses do is it's like they're reacting to the cow the whole time, but it, they're still listening to you. They're like so they're like never assuming like you're gonna throw. Right. They're reading and they're doing things, but they're never taking away. But they're also like they're ready to to do whatever you ask of them. And and like that mind frame of a horse, like that's really hard to get because it's like there is like so many healers that probably that, that do spot throw, right? Like or have like they've got these tendencies that they put into heel horses, so they're already looking for that. So it's like keeping them where they they have feel, but at the same time they can read the cow. And then and then on top of all of this is to have enough run where I think this is probably the hardest thing to do is to be running as hard as they need to run and then be able to show foot speed and control, right? Like, right. They, is that is that something that, is that as hard as, as I think it is? Or what, what do you guys think about that? As no, it's, it's easy. They just, they, like you said, they just got to haul ass and then match up with the steer in the turn. <laughs> be ready to stop immediately, but not do it too soon or too late. And not take, you know, not not make your body move in the turn when they do it, and match up with the steer, score good, and and never mess up. Yeah, so it's not. It's not. We're not looking for that, that much really. <laughs> That's it. Um, it sounds 
like when you describe it like that, like maybe heading is a little easier like, to get head horses. Yeah. <laughs> it's really all you need. And they're, the they're looking for even more. Like, well, not yeah. Dustin. Dustin's not looking for more than that. But I feel <laughs> like if they'll score good, you got a lot. To, you got something to work with. If you got a head horse, it'll score good. Uh, there's they'll, they'll score and trot across the line. That's all he needs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we talk about like? Cross firing and if the how the PRCAs went about all that, Wesley, is this a, is this a sure. subject we yeah. want to want to dive into? Sure. Um, you know, I obviously the the thing that's so hard about this, right, is I, I don't know what it is, but I feel like the PRCA doesn't like cowboys. And and I don't know why. I've just have always felt that. I can't put my thumb on it, but I know that there's this dialogue, even when you talk to judges, it's almost always heated. And there, there's conversations that very, very rarely are like rational conversations. And I'd say it's on everyone's, like the tonality from both sides seems to be always pretty bad, at least the ones I've experienced. But I think you've been, you know, on, it's obvious you've been on it. You've had a few bad calls and there's been a lot of real controversial calls and the consistency with flagging crossfires. It's a hard job, right? But it seems like it's not improving like we'd, we'd hoped by now. Like, I, I think what's crazy to me, and this is just my perspective, is like, since we started doing these matches, I, I hired Brooke Beardman to, to do the flagging. And I feel like I never see him in a spot where he's, like, they think he's wrong a huge percentage of the time when guys are throwing fast. But maybe that's because we were jackpotting and, and he's not getting exposed to it. But it seems like a lot of flaggers like that that flag a lot of team roping very rarely are getting a bad, you know, making a bad call on crossfire. So what what do you think has kind of went into this and what, what are some routes for for Pro Rodeo to maybe help with the, the flagging on this? Man, the, the biggest thing is, that, you know, they don't they all interpret the rule differently. Um, between even the main flaggers, like they came down and spent two days and had a seminar. They completely all interpreted the rule differently. They didn't, you know, one guy watches this, one guy watches this. And the way the rule reads, they go off when you throw it. And some of them are like, well, I don't even watch when they throw it, right? So others are like, yeah, well, I do. So a and lot of... One thing right quick, when you throw your rope, is that when it leaves your hand or your delivery leaves your hand. Okay. Leave your hand. I mean, when it leaves your hand. So they're watching... So, so if you think about it, you're splitting your eyeballs, you're watching the feet, and when it leaves your hand, how can you watch both at one time? So if you're watching the hand, why something happens with the steer, well, that looks like maybe that's not a switch, maybe it is. So you're splitting the eyeballs too much, so that just doesn't work. And we pre I mean, presented them with a new rule, um, and they thought they agreed that that was much easier. Everything was, I mean, they, they thought it was way easier, it read better, and it was when the rope touches the feet. And it was, we cut out the switch, Basically, so we're going to define the switch and say, when the hips, when the steer, ha the hips have changed direction and have forward motion, loop can touch the feet. And the way it, it came out, like we videoed it all day, one day inside, looked at it, it worked well. It's actually probably this much more lenient, really. I mean, not that we wanted to make it more lenient, but it was the simplest way. Like, I mean, it was a hair more lenient, just a hair, but it was consistent in the way they judged it and flagged it. But they had a seminar on the second day. The flagger is supposed to be on the left side to, to judge because, I mean, he just turns in for the NFR. So that was on how it was supposed to be. And then they wanted to add this extra judge down here at the back end. And when the run's coming to you and it flows this way, it, they all look like they're swinging, right? 
So that's not a good spot for that guy to be. I mean, we told him it needs to be up here by the line judge or not have, you know, we don't really need another opinion to flag us out, but that's what they decided to do. So we said, well, this is where he needs to go. So then we had the Charlie Crawfords open up there, videoed all these runs. Brooke did the flagging. And by the NFR, one guy that was not even at the seminar that's at the office said that it might get in the way of the camera and he might get in the way of the run and he needs to flag where he normally does. And then he decided, Then we decided somehow to put the judge down here for the crossfire rule, starting at Odessa. In the back right corner? Mm-hmm. Okay, back right corner. Back right corner, three quarters of the way down. Yeah. So 12 judges, you know, plane tickets and 12 judges come down. Bobby Harris came down to help. What you know, he's friend. He came down to kind of oversee it. Somebody that's not rodeoing. So I mean, thirteen employees plus Bobby Harris and plane tickets, etc., came down. And then as it went back, and the rule was rewritten. Well, about two weeks ago, it was just they called again, said, "Could you resend the rule?" So the rule hadn't been submitted. It was supposed to be expedited and in place by the first of the year, and that's not even in place. So now it's if it goes through their process, it'll be two years before it's even a rule to get passed by the board. So. At this point, the way things, I mean, it's its all lack of leadership, I mean, from the top and, and miscommunication, unorganization, the whole deal. But it's, uh, I mean, it's something that's, it shouldn't be that hard to get, be consistent on it. Whatever, whatever the rule is or whatever it's going to be, it shouldn't be hard to be consistent on it. And they've already been proposed to have a training program set up for them. We already did the team rope inside of it. So all they got to do is you know, the other events are up in the air if they want to do that too, but it would not be hard to bridge the gap a little bit on that if the effort was put in. Well, I think, and you guys might be able to answer this for me, but originally the crossfire, I think Ricky Green might've been the reason for it is you could just kind of rope steers as they're just swinging into your, like swinging into the corner. And that was a pretty easy heel shot that like it was so fast and it didn't require as much skill as like riding the turn right but a lot of the like crossfire shots and the first hop shots that i see now i wouldn't say they're easy shots like i i don't know what, what's your guys opinion on on that per se when the steers suck i think it becomes a factor like if like at the nfr the steers are strong they're they're quick hopping they're running i mean you only saw it there was two controversies with the same guy and it was like one, back to the same deal, consistency. Either both of them were or both of them weren't. Yeah, 100%. With, with Jake, that's, the, that's the, the worst part about it. Is and as what first... happened, he, let, he, he, he flags the first one clean, which, yeah. which could or couldn't, I mean, whatever. It I could. thought of the two, that would have been more crossfire than the one he got well, flagged. Well, I thought the second one was just <clears> to make up was for legal. the first that's one. What, and that's all that happened. He <laughs> and that's came the back. worst thing they can do. That's yeah. the worst thing they can do. And they, that happens. I mean, they'll, they'll go to Houston, Texas first set. And steer rolls or whatever, and you know, clean, and come back and penalize somebody for trying it. They gotta be consistent. I mean, they gotta whatever they decide, it's gotta be consistent. Because it, it it affects too many things on, you know, like the makeup calls is that's you, that's the worst thing. That that they should. That's the only one thing. No matter what they do with the rule, flag each run for what it is. Don't no makeup. You might have screwed him. Last night, or might have let him get away with it last night. Flag tonight as is tonight, regardless of whether it is or isn't. You know what I mean? Don't. That's where. That's one thing that's got to. They got to stop doing this. Is the makeup call. 
I agree. And and the hard part is even when you get a controversial call, it's like then there's more of a line. Like I, I experienced it in Montana rodeo. There was probably a pretty bad call on a crossfire shot. It's right before us. Header throws a fit. Like I can't rope because the header's in front of the box right. throwing a fit. Like it's he's mad. And then I spin a steer and my guy rides right to the spot where it's probably in the exact same and he doesn't throw. And and like it, that, like it upset me because if he wouldn't have thrown a fit and there wouldn't have been all this, I think he, he should have just tried that shot on. And right. there should and have been none of that. Like, the next guy. Yeah, now they're yeah. second guessing because, you, you know, you get that aspect added in. And I think there's, it just seems to me like that shot is not, like, I, I don't know. Does do you think it gains an advantage um, if you're always? Well, it, it's weird. I think it. I think it would on the on the next couple guys, or yeah. it makes it hard for the guy. Like, what what seems weird to me is is it seems like the times that they that they'll do it, and and you see it affect more things or not, like at a big slack. Is it never happens when it's like, oh man, that was a crossfire. And they try, like at Ellensburg, for instance, him. I was he was like third team out or. Something like I mean, right at the beginning of the slack, steer goes left. He's trying to get around there, like makes a good shot. Once he gets there, just a normal good like so. If and he gets flagged out, well, so now I was like team eight. If he gets flagged out, when am I supposed to throw? I mean, am I supposed to go forward jump? You know what I mean? Like it was it was that much of a like. And I, the only thing that I'm not I'm not saying I understand what the flagger was singing. The only thing I can think that he might have thought. Was the steers rolling like steers kind of going left turns and then snow's got to come off the wall and he's going again and then thorpe gets around there and heals him you could have called it a crossfire on the third you know what i mean like but not a complete normal shot like not even close to a crossfire for the rule flags him out so if you're the next guy i would have not known when to throw like you would have think I mean, if I let the steer hit and throw when I'm going to normally throw, I should absolutely, I mean, everybody should have got flagged out that day if he got flagged out. So that that's where that's where I think it, it gets weird and hard is because somebody's, everybody's going to get screwed now because if he got flagged out, everybody gets to crossfire today. Not one judge has had, <clears throat> as of about a month or two ago, had the Cowboy Channel app, like to watch the rodeos. Like nobody, you know what I mean? Like there's no... There's got to be some sort of effort to like. It is causing them a lot of problems. There's got to be some effort to like learn the event, you know. Well, and I think that that's this is the hard part is the event has changed, and that's why like I brought up Brooke earlier on because you know the situation, right? Like I even think like flagging a, like on the face, like if the left wall is fast and like it, the arena kind of V's out. I think headers should be like allowed to get more in a V and get a like get a flag, right? Like we shouldn't have to pull the steer off the wall on steers that's like step left, like when you're facing, right? And I think like experienced team roping, like jackpotting flaggers understand like there will be more of a V in the face, and that's just because of how the angles have to work. And there's the team still like showed control and made a good run. Where some flaggers like, um, I mean, I thought Caldwell was pretty tough this year with like that those calls and i think it's more or less just like experience with a lot of jackpot team roping and then how the rules in the prca like translate and it's just kind of an older school like thought process and i think that that's that's really the gap you know you guys are trying to bridge with this but it's it's funny that because like the dialogue seems to be there um 
And it seems like what's funny about it with Wesley is like out of all the guys. <laughs> well, also, I was just fixed to say, I think it's, it's kind of weird to me. Like the, I feel like there's no, like when you kind of go back to the consistency part, like, or like where you're saying like, let them be in the V a little bit at this arena. Well then just do it for everybody. But I think the, the, sometimes the flaggers just the little bit, the inexperience of team roping for them, like what triggers, like they, it's snow and Thorpe's up. Okay. Well, this guy, this guy's been flagged up for crossfire. Like they're looking, I feel, I feel like they have their few guys picked out to where they, if it's, if they think it's even close, like, oh, I'm, that's, that was a crossfire. You know what I mean? Which is, it's, it's not right at all, but it's like, uh, there's something that triggers certain guys, certain flaggers. That's like just whatever happens in this one run. It's like, they panic and think, well, this guy crossfire some, and it, I thought it was maybe close. So I'm going to flag him out. Yeah. And then the next guy that they don't know might throw even faster. And it looks, they're not, they're not as, it's like they're a little bit predetermined, you know what I mean? Like kind of thinking this guy's going to do this. And so they, they flag it that way when it might not be what happened in that run. You know what I mean? Well, and I just know, like I, I flagged just a little bit. And the one thing I always thought, like, especially when I was like flagging like a slide or something where there's guys were pressing on it pretty hard was if you early on, if there's a leg and it's close, like it is like, you're like, Oh man, that I, I would always try to flag the leg out just because that was the line. You know, and then last, you're like, and good then, example last night at Fort Worth, perfect time. If they're gonna be lean, if they're gonna be strict at all, perfect time to flag Tyler McKnight out. Right. Gets a bear and leg steer rolled left. I mean, throws as fast as you can. I'm not saying it was or wasn't. I didn't even watch it back or anything. I just was watching it from a distance. But it's like it's gonna be hard to flag somebody out for being three nine later on or four four because I mean, they're not going to throw faster than that. Right, right, right. When I mean, nobody's dumb enough to throw faster than, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's not like, I mean, these guys are the top, whatever in the world. They're not going to throw faster than that. So. Well, that's, know. and that's why I feel like there, there could almost be a rule that could be, I mean, nobody's trying to blatantly crossfire, you know what I mean? Unless, unless they do. And then you know that like, there's a, there's a spot right there where, cause I mean, they can, they can hit and take a quick hop. And if you can heal them right there, it looks like a crossfire sometimes. Yeah. And it's not. So unless it's unless they heal them in the switch where it's blatant crossfire, why not give the tie? I mean, none of us are trying to get a no time. You know, I mean we're not we're not trying to crossfire. And if you do crossfire, it's pretty obvious that you did. So then flag them out. But if if it's close like that, like if there's that little area where man, it was it was First legal, I mean, just right, right on the money. Well, then, flag it clean. I think, but, but just, dude, I feel like that's the way you could do it all year long and take away from, from stuff like that happened to them at Ellensburg and stuff. You know, what I mean, that's yeah. Because I, I feel like you can, as long as we all know that 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 that's legal, that then then that's fair. Everybody knows that. Well, but if you then, think in your head like I don't know, like it just clean, like you know what I mean. Like if I don't know, right? If it's close, that's if what I mean, me and if you don't sure. know. He sure doesn't know, and right. why is he worried one way or the other? Just boom. I mean, well, I feel like there's runs like I know what I'm watching. Like so, Clay and Jake, the second one at the finals. Yeah. When because I was the team after them every night. When he healed that one, I I looked like I wondered if they were going to flag him out. You know what I mean? So I, I feel like there's time. Like we all know. Like if I if I don't I don't even look at with if they make a run I don't even look at the flagger when it's not crossfire. But then there are certain runs where you're looking. See. I'm like, it's close. Yeah, it's he, close. he took that shot. Now I'm looking. As soon as he takes that shot, I'm looking over at the flagger. Is he going to flag him out or not? One to know if I can take that shot, hopefully, or if it's no time, or are they three four? You know what I mean? So 
I feel like they're like he said, like if, if it's like, man, I don't I don't know if that was or not, like then let him have it. What's funny for me is uh, I was watching it at a restaurant and there was no volume. And uh, I I was like looking at the results. I was like, I thought those guys were three, four. Like I didn't know <laughs> till like later on that evening that he got flagged out because I like I was like, there's no way that was crossfire if the night before wasn't. And and, and I, I think it just kind of that goes back to the position though. Of the flag, like the way that run shaped up, the steer, steer went left. left. He's back over there in that corner. He's seeing the worst end of the run ever, and it looks like that. If yeah, he's bro. right here and stepped forward into the run, he would have seen the steer easily coming across. Right. Well, I, I guess that's where I was going with that. Is on the the night of the three four, I didn't look at the fire. Yeah, yeah. The the second round, I I did look. The night that they were three four. I see Jake Long throw his head back, and then I'm like, then I'm looking around like, what, what's going on? You know what I mean? Didn't even know then why. Thought maybe you know he had an illegal, lost his head rope, illegal head catch. What? I, I was like looking around. Then they were like crossfire. Like, well, oh, and I think too, like something that's really important is like when there's a bad call and all of the Cowboys are like, hey, no, you got it wrong. Yeah, what's the it, big it, deal? It, it costs the Cowboys money. Like all those other guys, they're competing against you. Like, I mean, if you're and at this time, like it's dollars are probably the most important they can be you know and and for them to like like you guys were a little bit like you're needing wins at ellensburg right like to to make sure you're in yeah and, I mean, we were definitely and and there's so there's a and if everyone there like is like hey this is you got you're getting this call wrong like that why would they you know right. as a competitor even do you don't that? see any first base and be like man no he was safe yeah yeah i, <laughs> I pulled my foot off the back he yeah. he was definitely no, safe. You, you got that wrong like yeah. i think that's really important and then the other thing that does happen is like uh, it like, uh, I mean, I'll just say, it, I think it called well a few years ago. Um, there was a that slack as it went on. Um, maybe like Billy Jack killed one pretty fast, and it, it probably was crossfire. And then all these guys kind of start pressing it. And it's like you got guys, because you're going for that second go-round, and you got healers that know like, hey, we're probably not going to win anything unless I right. do try this shot. And so some of them are good. Then they start flagging some out, and it's like it's a real slippery slope. Like that's oh, that's yeah. the problem, right? As I'm not saying I don't want this job, and I'm not I'm not saying it's an easy job, but I think there's like it's just there's so many problems that do present themselves when you're right. doing it, and it's like how do you draw the line? How do you how do you be consistent with it? And and I've always just thought you got to go to the elements. Like what's the arena like? What are the steers like? And and then what? what kind of control are these guys having because it's like i i just looked at like crossfire and like well you're you're kind of like it's like you're, like you're trying to cheat right like not i mean that's a bad word to use but it is like you're trying to gain a half a second on the team well just make there's the, no way make the flagger make the call yeah i because i get caught up in that sometimes too i'm like i'm i get to think i'm like uh is it uh should i throw or should i not throw well then there's times like you said like you might be getting too far down there well then it's time to let the flagger do his job you know i mean i'm gonna Unless it's, you know, I mean, I'm not going to throw straight down the arena, but there's times where it's like, okay, well, I, now it's time to, if I get flagged out, I get flagged out. If not, I, it's time to throw or not, you know what I mean? But yeah. Yeah. It's just getting to the spot now where it's, it's just making too many, it's, it's crazy because you don't hear about it much at small rodeos. Well, and, we're only a month into the year, less than, and uh, I mean, there's already, there was a big, I mean, Denver was a big cost yeah, for those guys. I mean, they were, I thought that was a bad, they were gonna was a bad situation. Win, win the second round and make the semifinals and whole deal. But yeah, how was the team after them? You know, and I think that's the thing that, like, long term, like, that it sucks. Uh, but it's like, I, th I think, like, 
Peyton Bray got flagged out at San Antonio last year, and I think that would have been the difference of him making the finals and not. Right. You know, and 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 I don't like I don't think the call was that good for him. And I'm sure there's times where maybe he it, I don't know it all works itself out. It seems like, but the crossfires maybe don't work themselves out as much just because it's so hard to make a good run, and very few healers are trying to crossfire at that moment. It's more or less like. They are reacting to a steer or he's kind of trashy and and they're healing him there and that seems to be like a lot of them when they get flagged out i i think well like torres uh, that's why i'm with him on the judge sitting at the right hand or the right back in is because the the guy flagging there is a good was a good healer you can see what's happening right there and you see him in the video look down to the other end and flag him out which from where he was obviously that steer faded just a little bit but faded hit he heals him that from the bottom right into the arena would look like he swept, swapped into it. Probably, you know what I mean? After the fade, like it would look like Steer popped out into it. But from where the flagger was, he, I'm going to say he probably knew that wasn't a crossfire. I, I, I would like to ask him if he... I do not think the flagger was going to flag Yeah, I don't, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't think he, he... He didn't think it was a crossfire. He looks down there, got the signal, and then flags him out. But I, if it was only him, I'm going to say he doesn't flag him out for crossfire. No. I don't. I thought the same thing. I even when he flagged, like I never even it never dawned on me. And then I seen him just look back, and when he did, he flagged him out. But yeah, I, I agree. I don't think the flagger was actually going to flag him out. And he had a good. I mean, he was just rode up. I mean, he was right in the pretty good spot to right. see it. Which and that and that goes. You could go another direction with that. Where so why why does why can't he make the decision? Like to me, the the extra judge would be so, like, hey, I'm not sure. My what do you think? You know my, I mean? my thought was make one change on this cross. You know what I mean? Change the flagger's position and change the rule and like be done with it. Don't add an extra opinion of this. You know what I mean? Take that. Yeah. That guy, I, my vote was no guy, no extra guy. But then that they had already passed it through, the hat, whatever, going to have him. I'm like, well, let's just give him the same view as the flagger yeah. because there's no, we don't need a second opinion or a second chance. Of, like, because right there, that was just a second. That's just one extra well, guy that could flag him out. That's what I'm saying. Is it like the way that appears is like they give him the authority? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying like, right. that's, that's what I'm saying. Why? Why? They if, didn't. If Greg wasn't going to flag him out, why did he? Why did he have to say? Okay, they, you get to pick. They're supposed to have to agree, right? They have like, to agree. If if they are, that's where I was kind of going with that. Like, as if they are going to add a second guy, he should just be for backup. Like, if the flaggers yeah, like, I'm like, not. I don't know. I don't know if it was. What What's your opinion? And then they make a decision. Not Greg flags him, looks down there, he gives his signal, and that's the that's the number. So to me, that the guy on the right back fence was the the A judge in that situation. You know what I mean? So that's that's that opens up a whole other can of worms too. You know, for well, yeah, just how much angles can kind of present. Well, yeah, because that's right? that's what I'm saying. Like down there, it could have looked like the way the steer hit. He he swaps into it when it wasn't it wasn't like that. You know, and I mean. And, and I guess the other way to ask is, by the way, the rule reads, are a lot of guys cross-firing and not getting flagged out? Is that, is well, yeah, that maybe what could there, be there happening, was, I guess? There was a lot of runs after that that I thought we should have if that one did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and I guess this is this is why I just was like, man, hey, this conversation is so unique because the Wesley's kind of been forced to to be at the forefront of this thing uh, just because you, you've had a f at least two or three of them that have been pretty – pretty questionable now and and you're trying to help with maybe making some changes and kind of create it where it can just be flagged consistently and and i think that's that's the deal i 
honestly, I didn't really, I, had a, I can't remember how the rule read, but when I was flagging, that's how I always went, was I was just like, when the rope is contacting, I was like, well, it's pretty close to releasing. And I was like, that was, no, that it, was kind of was what I've always watched it was, for. It was when they throw. I don't, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, it's, it's off for when it leaves a hand. Yeah. And you can't, I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't even do that. I mean, you can't even watch well, somebody's hand. Well, sometimes you can't even the, see their hand. And the feet at the like same time. When healers, right. I think that's been the other thing. You see a lot of guys get flagged out that run by. Well, then you start and, looking at the heel horses and like, I mean, one guy's holding on to it doing this. And the other guy's just sitting up here perfect. And he might cross fire where the other guy just is floating it. And you're going off, I mean, styles at that right. point. You start watching. It's just, yeah. you got to get your eyes off the healer and heel horse. got to be steer only. I agree.